0: what's happening this is andy kelly from waters edge church and you are listening to uh, our sermon dated july 10th of 2022 and we're actually starting a new series today as we look at what is the third teaching or quote-unquote book within the gospel of matthew the series is called altar calling the world's need to respond to the messiah and if you recall matthew's gospel is split among five teachings And from the very beginning, the author, Matthew, who's also called Levi, who shows up here and there in this gospel, demonstrates that Jesus is a descendant of King David and is of royal lineage. He's also a descendant of Abraham and is called to bless all people. And ultimately, in the prologue, we find that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate that many times during Christmas, uh, during Advent. Um, But as the historical narrative progresses outside of the prologue, Matthew delineates or he outlines his account into five main teachings or discourses, which is an Old Testament throwback to the law of Moses, which is called the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And Matthew wants to demonstrate that Jesus is a greater Moses, a greater prophet, who, like Moses, delivers us. From slavery but this time the slavery of sin and offers salvation like Moses offers a new teaching an even better teaching that he comes to fulfill and ultimately initiates a new covenant for all people to know God through Christ and Matthew ends his gospel gospel by the way is the Greek euangelion which means good news euangelion is where we get words like evangelism or evangelists Matthew ends his gospel with this great commission where he says all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me he's the king then he tells all of us to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit teaching them everything uh, that he's commanded us and surely we must note this that he will be with us always to the very end of the age that the Lord is alive. He's in the room. He's with us, still God with us, interceding for us, fighting for us, communicating with us. Five main teachings in Matthew. It started with our series, Blessed are the Merciful, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus' Kingdom teaching, Kingdom of God teaching, what it looks like for the rule and reign of God to live in the hearts of people, Then our next series, our last series, was When the Dust Settles. That's where we see how this kingdom ushered into the lives of people around Jesus during his ministry. Now we're within the third book, as I mentioned earlier, this teaching that demonstrates how people respond to Jesus' kingdom invitation. Some people accept it freely. Others are fairly neutral on the fence. And then there are others who downright... Reject Jesus' Teaching. This third series, Altar Calling, is really about how people receive Jesus' proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And the outline in the series, starting today, is just looking at some questions we have about sharing the gospel. The next week will be uh, a message called FUD, which simply addresses people's uncertainties and even doubts, uh, how we are able to carry their stories as we carry the story of God with us. On the 24th, we're going to be talking about receiving rejection. Rejection won't happen. I'm almost 100% sure of this. It happened to Jesus. It happened to his followers. I've had my shot blocked a number of times, quite a lot. The 31st, we're actually going to take a look at some Ignatian spirituality being present to the presence. Uh, This is somewhat of a one off, but also is vitally important when it comes to sharing who God is, sharing the presence of God. So I think it's God's sovereignty that we have this sermon right in the middle of this series. Then lastly, we're going to end this series about what it means to share your own story or parable as we look at Matthew. 13 we're gonna find a day where we creatively process a way to write our story and really God's story in our lives But don't get me wrong. This is a conversation about evangelism So what comes to mind when you think of that term evangelism? What comes to mind See I love sharing good news. That's what evangelism is regarding our King Jesus. In fact, in many ways, i live for it. It's the reason ministry became an idea or an option and even an opportunity for me. And if you know me, uh, you know that I have a very mixed background, uh, a mixed background of Catholicism, Protestantism, different streams of Protestantism, uh, somewhat rugged individualism, corporate capitalism, party animalism. (laughs) Philosophically, I was a mixed bag. And as I consider my journey for me, committing to follow Jesus was a journey. And there were so many times I would take steps to Jesus, only find myself sidestepping elsewhere. Like in high school, I I was in a study, I was inviting other people into a study, but then I got drawn to lifeguarding in the summers and took steps elsewhere. And what happened was God is gracious and God pursued me. College. I was getting involved in a college ministry, but then the opportunity to join this college fraternity came and I took steps elsewhere. Well, God is gracious and God pursued me post-college through some highs and definite lows. I had been through some counseling and had an opportunity to step towards greater sobriety. And yet again, I took steps elsewhere to my own life, living for myself with corporate pursuits and whatnot, And God is gracious. And God pursued me. He met me in the highs and lows. He met me in the pain and the pain that I caused. And any time when I would diverge or sidestep, He'd call me home again and again. Now to be sure, there was a moment where I said yes. But that moment also declared that this time I'm staying with you because I want to love you more than anything else. It's a wonderful journey. It was a journey. And the truth is, actually, the greater truth is, though I said yes, Jesus, God, always says yes to you and I. He always has a place for us at the table, He always welcomes us home. We just need to take our seat. We just need to take our seat. It's been said that our theology can be summed up into a piece of bread and a cup of wine. So this life that we have with God is likened to a life around the table. This is the life that Jesus brings. And scripture compares this internal life to a banquet that has no end. Everybody loves sitting around the table. This is who God is to commune with God. And the bread represents Christ's body taken by Christ's body, the church. He is our sustenance. It's not our relevance. It's not our intelligence. It's not even our fellowship as much as it is Jesus himself who fills us. The blood, the cup represents, well, his blood shed for us so that we'd be healed and participate in his healing. So we'd be forgiven and live a life of forgiving others so that we would be quenched by his love. But again, the healing, the forgiveness, the love, they're all byproducts of the greater gift, which is God, God's self. Communion with God is the greatest gift we had, being with the Lord. And so if you believe this is the true, I'd like for you to join us today as we take communion. Maybe you're listening right now. This could be a great opportunity just to stop and grab a piece of bread, glass of wine, or water, or what have you, and just to take a moment to receive these words and, and take communion together and if you don't believe maybe you're listening you don't believe well you're always welcome to the table that's what god says so i'm gonna take a moment let's just take communion together and you're listening right now It seems weird but just follow the prompts and stop and pause where you need to later in matthew's gospel jesus on the night he was betrayed was eating with his disciples and he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. This is where we take and eat. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until the day when I drink it. New with you in my Father's kingdom. So take and drink. So with that, we pray, Lord. We know. We know and trust the phrase that evangelism, sharing good news, is is simply about one beggar telling another where to find bread. In so many ways, this is true. But we also know that in you we have it all. We have it all. And I'm reminded of the words of your friend, Peter, who was on his own journey. He said, revere you as Lord. We, We trust you. We raise you up as God. And Lord, help us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone asked us to give a reason for the hope that we have. And help us, Lord, to do it with gentleness and respect. Help us to be hope sharers, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name amen. So now, in the next uh, 20 minutes or so, I just want to discuss some questions that we have regarding the sharing of the good news of Jesus. So let's, let's read our scripture today. We're reading Matthew 10, 1 through 15. And then I'm going to jump around just because I think there's some great commentary that Jesus adds. Matthew 10 verse 1 says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave him authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He then names his disciples in verse 5 it says these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel and as you go proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven is coming near. Heal the sick, raise the dead Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copy to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay in their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. The home is deserving. Let your peace rest on it. If it is not... Let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And then some more highlights from chapter 10 will be the next verse. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheik among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Verse 24. The student is not above the teacher, nor is a servant above his master. 31. So don't be afraid. 32. Whoever acknowledges me for others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So that's God's word for us today. Thank you, Lord, for the truth and trustworthiness of it. So some questions we have regarding sharing our faith. The first is why? Why me? Why do I have to go? Isn't evangelism simply a gift for some? I mean, look at Ephesians 4.11. It says, Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, those people, the pastors and teachers. Why me, Andy? Well, the first sub-point is Jesus calls us to go. You heard me say the Great Commission earlier, go and make disciples of all nations. See, evangelism is a gift for some and yet a calling for all. When we read the scriptures, there's no doubt there are sections where we see evangelism being a spiritual gift and even an office, for instance, like Ephesians 411, where Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and still evangelism a gift for some, and yet a calling for all, just like the gifts of generosity, prayer, the ministry of care, so much more, that, that is a spiritual gifting for some, we're also all called to pray to give and to care like we're all called to we're all called to step into the world of sharing who god is to be evangelists and share what god is up to sometimes that can happen through our spiritual gifting sometimes we have the gift of prayer we can pray for others in the name of jesus we have the gift of prophecy we can speak about what god's doing i think all of us should be doing that regardless with discernment With the gift of generosity, we can give, and not just give, but also give in the name of Jesus. The gift of hospitality, you can offer a meal in Jesus' name, but also means we just share, nonetheless. And we'll talk about how later. But evangelism, it's primary to being a disciple who makes disciples. It's how discipleship works. It's foundation, it's foundational. It's, It's also how love works. And as we consider the question, why me, evangelism, like have to consider the second set point is that it's loving. Just as you need Jesus and, and Jesus loves you, others need Jesus. And Jesus loves others. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that evangelism is not loving because the message deals with fallenness and, and sinfulness and, and even judgment. And that is part of the message. It's not the entire message. It's not necessarily our lead out, but it's part of it that we're broken. We need God. But I want to tell you, how do we alleviate that? How do you alleviate sin when you, the gospel, how do you alleviate judgment and all that? You listening? I I know how to alleviate. You ready? Listen, you don't, you don't, you can't alleviate this truth, but you can identify with it. Our call is to share the love of God as deeply loved sinners, people who have not arrived, people who are no better than others, but as fellow image bearers who need God. You can't alleviate the truth. We're all instead complicit sinners, and therefore judgment is is for those who are not following Jesus. I mean, look at his words. People love Jesus, but they seem to skip over words like verse 15. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment, then for that town that rejected the disciples' peace and proclamation. There is a day of judgment. There is also forgiveness available today that precedes real change that comes by intimate communion with God. But if we erase sinfulness, and we, we erase hell, and we erase judgment, We then erase injustice that has perpetrated others. We also erase hatred that has killed others. And that's not our call. You can't alleviate that part of it, but you can elevate God's love and identify with our fallenness. Some questions we have regarding sharing the faith. Who? Well, who do I share with, Andy? Who do I share with? It says that in this passage, the disciples are sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And the reason why I sent to the lost sheep of Israel is so that they can hear the message and then in turn, share the message with everybody. That's where we get again, the Great Commission go and make disciples of all nations. The original design, the Old Testament is about God's people being a blessing who blesses others, a light to the Gentile world. So who do we share with? Well, there's two types of people. One is everyone. One is everyone and two are people of peace. Everyone and people of peace. Everyone and people in peace. The first is a rectangle, the second is a square. Meaning just as a square is a rectangle, and a rectangle is not necessarily a square. People of peace are part of everyone, but not everyone are people of peace. So I think we have an idea of who everyone is, but who are people of peace? Well, from the, the scripture states today, it's, it says in verse 12 through 14, as you enter the home, give it your greeting, which is rec- proclaiming the kingdom of God, providing healing, prayer, deliverance, participation, resurrection, no big deal. He's given us authority. Believe it. Verse 13, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, i.e., be a person of peace, leave that home or town, and shake off the dust from your feet. People of peace are people who welcome you. They're the people who let you in the door, who willingly and actually wantingly listen to you, and people who sometimes even serve you, have you over for dinner, buy you a cup of coffee. I think the question is, well, how do we identify people of peace Well, we be people of peace? We welcome others. We listen to them and serve them. And this is where the everyone comes in. We be people of peace to everyone. We welcome them. We listen to them and serve them. And when they respond in kind, we find our people in peace and we share. We share. And here's the deal. There is no shortage of people of peace around you. However, there is a shortage of Christians who are willing to befriend a world that so desperately need Jesus because probably, well, there's several reasons. Some reasons include we're too busy with our studies. We're too busy with our Christian wine mixers. Some of us are too busy chasing our kids around to look around. And I, I am talking about myself here just as much as anybody else, but the principle is this. If we are people of peace to everyone, we will discover people of peace in our lives. Rectangle, square. Luis, the cellist guy. He's not here today. He wasn't here in church. So let's talk about him. Uh, for a year, I, I met Luis and I asked him about his wedding and let him know I'm stoked. I may have mentioned praying for him when I saw him. It wasn't really long conversations, but I just kept on initiating with him. Like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And through that, and maybe through him meeting others who knew me or whatnot, I'm not sure, he, he asked me to do his wedding. He's kind of stuck. <laughs> and I said, I, 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 I would do his wedding. I'll crush it. Um, and, and from that, like we've become people of peace to each other. And uh, he's willing to listen to me as I've been willing to listen to him. And we even met this week. And I was like, dude, you got to make a choice about Jesus. At the end of the day, this is about Jesus, not me. It's about Jesus and uh, we got to pray for him. We got to pray for him. And I think when you hear a conversation like this and you hear a pastor talk, sometimes we can ask the question, do you just want the church to grow, Andy? Is this about church growth, 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 growth? And here's what I wanna say about that. I I want more people to fall in love with a God who's in love with them. That's my evangelistic heartbeat. And as we consider church growth, most growth these days are transfer growth. People who leave their church for another church probably with better studies are Christian wine mixers. (laughs) Or maybe people who will cater to their theological or socio-political whims. I'm not sure, but most growth is is transfer growth. And I I just want to meet the people in your lives that Jesus so desperately is longing to meet and make his name known. We, I think a lot of us here long for that. We love when we bring people in our lives who can be welcomed to this place. So I think as you think about this conversation, who's someone in your life that seems like a person of peace? Who is that person? Take a moment to think about that. Some questions we have regarding sharing our faith. I think when and where are the questions. Well, when is now, tomorrow, anytime. The good news about sharing good news is that if You can share anytime. And I think the other good news is is if you think you've lost an opportunity, there's always more in front of you. That's the greatest lesson of lost opportunities can teach us is that there's more in front of us. That's God's grace. And then where, well anywhere, work, schools, beach, bars, coffee shops, walk in the street. I think what we need to consider when, when we're considering when and where is we just need to be what God wants to be open to say through us. And sometimes we got to be a little bit more surrendered to what other people are needing, we have to be open to divine interruptions. I mean, I was writing this sermon in Pete's on Friday, and I sat across from this dude, he was an older man, he had this like walking wheelchair, great Hawaiian shirt, big smile. He was very warm. And he said, Hi, and he noticed I was working hard. And he said stuff like, Hey, you're working hard, huh? What I told him is like, dude, I'm working on an evangelism sermon, so you gotta zip it. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually did try to keep wording, but I noticed he had some materials he was working through, and it was a moment where I just had to close my laptop. And I have those moments when I'm trying to look at my laptop, and someone's here, and I just gotta close it. I'm gonna close it. I kind of lean back like this, put my hands over my head, and I looked at some materials, and come to find out, this guy is on a journey of rediscovering Jesus. And as I asked him about that journey, he he told me he had a lot of pain in his life. Told me about nightmares, Told me about trying to get back on track. Conversation continued. He told me about his strange son. I told him, man, you got to reach out to that son to reconnect. And yeah, my sermon didn't get finished that day. It didn't. But I do believe we left the place as friends and Hopefully each of us were a little closer to God. And I think that matters. Evangelism is helping people take one simple step closer to God. One simple step closer to Jesus. Not every one of us is going to see people cross the line. But we can not trust that our work is part of a greater design that God is in place. Again, the harvest is plenty, as Jesus says in Matthew 9, but the workers are few. When and where, anytime, anywhere. So some questions we have regarding sharing our faith. What, what should I say? What do I say, Andy? Well, there's two things we say. We say what God slash Jesus has done. This is the proclamation. The kingdom of heaven has come near. We also say what God is doing. This is the proclamation that the kingdom of heaven has come near. There's so many ways to say this phrase, the kingdom of heaven has come near doesn't really matter how to say it, but I, what we need to notice here, interestingly enough, is that God's not giving us a Bible track or some bridge diagram. He's just saying the kingdom of heaven is to come near. So you can say that in any way you want. You say Christ is Lord. Jesus loves us. God saves. The Lord is near. Even my bad days are good days because of God. I mean, my buddies, they're fairly profane. And they'll they'll say stuff, they'll take the Lord's name in vain, something will happen, they'll spill their soup or something, they'll be Jesus Christ, Lord help us. But they'll say it that way in a derogatory term. And every time they say it, man, I always say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good, baby. The Lord is good. And I think the call is just to say something and to learn from it. And yes, of course, the rest of the passage talks about coupling it with healing and serving and praying. And yes, say something as you seek to serve others. What, what I think is, I think, let me say this again. I think we think it's weird to be open about the goodness of God, to be the kind of person that talks outwardly like that. But I think it's the quiet, standoffish Christian that seems weirder. It's the introvert who only burrow horns on the street that seems too compartmentalized or disintegrated. It's a person who loves Jesus, but somehow doesn't seem to speak about that love anywhere except for their morning time. I mean, we live in a world that's outwardly spiritual. And there's nothing more more powerful, more profound, or more pronounced than the Holy Spirit. So may we practice pronouncing God's name in everyday conversations. We say what God has done. The Lord saves. The Lord died. The Lord lives. Just say something. And then we also say, and this is probably just as important if not more important we also say what god's up to in the here and now we we are daily discerners who speak to the work of god god doesn't want us just to fall in love with good ideas or bible verses or arguments he he wants us to fall in love with him and share what's going on in our day to day and share what he may be doing in the lives of others god wants us to share what he's up to in our lives and yes the lives of others and if you tell someone what you believe God is up to in their life, in love, I truly believe they're gonna listen. I believe they're gonna listen. The living God. Now, most of us know that the construct of church is under question. Call it deconstruction, call it disillusionment, call it what you will, there's a lot written about this. And I could probably read a whole lot more um, but I've done some cursory research uh, on a book by Andrew Root where, where he writes in churches in the crisis of decline. We note that a lot of churches are, have fallen attendance and whatnot. And I, I agree a lot about what he's written. He contends that, and this is really my notes on some cliff notes that were given me after having two conversations about this book with someone that I love. He, Root contends that the loss within a church happens because we the church have become the primary subject of our own story because we're so fixated on what god has to offer we in many ways have replaced jesus with what would be our needs and what we can offer others albeit from god like god's goodness god's healing god's grace the church then becomes a star of the story sometimes the pastor is a star of the church. Ergo, the pastor becomes a star of the story. Lord, help us. Because of this mixture of consumerism and celebrityism, we trade in the mystery of God for being relevant. In short, we lose the mystery of the presence of God, which can transcend any crisis and permeates every space, whether it's the big church down the street or a small, wonderful community like ours. God is here. Now, again, that is my translation of a very big book, which is also a commentary in other books, but it does kind of make sense. It makes sense. And what I I really want to make clear is whether the church is, quote, doing well or not doing well in a crisis decline. Christ is king. Christ is here. Say it aloud. Christ is king. And if he's here, then he's active, not only here but elsewhere. And So we invite him in and then we... We invite him into our conversations as we discern what the Lord is up to in the lives of others. One more question. One more question. Last question regarding sharing our faith. How? I mean, we've kind of talked about it, but how? The short answer is through practice. Practice. I mean, this passage, Matthew 10, you see it also in Luke 9 and 10, This passage is about Jesus sending out his disciples to do the work, to practice the work and then review the work. They're sent out to practice, to try it out and talk with God. And if it's practice, it's okay for it not to be right. It's okay for it to be or not be perfect. And and they weren't ready in many ways. You can argue they weren't ready and he gave them authority, but they weren't perfect. These are the same guys who would abandon Jesus later when he's sent to the cross. But knowing we're not ready can be a very good thing because it makes us, one, lean on God. Lord, I need you to do this, I can't do this, let's do this, you do this. And two, it kind of keeps you humble, <laughs> it keeps you humble. Just practice, it's just practice. Try it out, see how it goes. And then as you practice, another how is it, you you learn to ask good questions and offer welcoming truth. You see that uh, earlier in the scriptures, to be. Uh, shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves to ask good questions and also offer welcoming truth. Um, as you practice sharing about Jesus, you will learn a lot. And, and in many ways, it's it is about having proper responses, but it's less about having the right answers and, and more about asking good, penetrating questions. I, I actually believe the Lord gives us a degree in, in philosophy as we pay attention to to the way people have conversations about this. I mean, you'll hear it a lot, you'll hear it a lot. People will talk about, well, if it's God, if it's truly God, how can you understand him? If it's God, how can God be known? And it does make sense that God is infinite, God's transcendent, we're finite. However, if God is God, God can do whatever God desires to do, and God wants to make God's self known, well then, God can do that. And um, what if we? Question is: What if we 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 can't know God fully, but we can know Him truly? And then you offer welcome and truth. Like I know Jesus claims that we can know God because of Him. We can know Him truly, if, even if not fully. Of course, we couldn't know Him fully, but we can know Him truly. I mean, I remember surfing one day, and I was just getting out of the water, and there was a guy there looking at the water, and I looked at the sunset and said, "Yeah, man." I really do believe in God created all this. And he said, yeah, I believe in something. But then he went on this diatribe with a a really well-known adage. I don't know if you've heard it about an elephant and like blind men. And he told me that there were several blind men walking along. He came upon this elephant that allowed them to touch and feel it. I'm like, how do we get into a conversation about elephants? But he kept on going. Uh, And one of the blind men went up to the elephant's trunk and they said, oh, this is... This is long and flexible, like a snake. That's what it must be. This guide is a snake. Then the second one, the second blind man comes upon it and feels the elephant's legs. He said, it's not at all like that. It's it's thick and round like a tree trunk. This is a tree trunk, said the second blind man. Then there was a third blind man, who put his arms against the elephant's side and said, oh no, it's large and flat. It's a wall touching the elephant's side. And the surfer dude, he told me that each blind man can only feel part of the elephant. None can envision the entire elephant. And he told me, he said, "This religions of the world each have a grasp of the truth about, and a grasp of spirituality, but none can see the complete truth. And I sat with that for a moment, and and I then I asked him, like, how are you able to know the truth that there's no complete truth? How are you able to see the elephant if all of us are blind? Isn't that kind of like an extrusive truth claim itself? His response was, whoa, whoa. And I just said, I love how Jesus' name's clearly who he is, and who God is. We just got to ask good questions and offering welcoming truth. And I do believe if we practice and we step into it in love, God will show up. And my prayer is that we would be willing to speak for God. Are you willing? Let's go. So next steps are be on the lookout for people of peace. And not just that, but ask someone about their spiritual background this week. Be a person of peace, ask good questions. That's a great question. Do you have a spiritual background? And then finally say something about Jesus to someone this week. That's our next step as we go in love and make disciples. So let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are gracious and you pursue us that you're a good God, one who brings good news. You are good news, that you want communion with us. You love us, you long for us to be with you as you're always with us. So Lord God, give us the words to say. Lord, we wanna honor you, we wanna confess you. We, we wanna welcome others and welcome you into our conversations. Lord, would you show us the ways that people are welcoming us? Help us to become people of peace, as you're the person of peace, God, the one who died for us, who lives for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.